Hi, my name is John Kim, and I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth. I share my feelings and revelations. I believe in casual or clinical, and with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Hey, real quick, before we get to today's episode, I want to remind you to check out my new book, Single on Purpose, part memoir from all my singlehood journeys, but also real life stories from clients. I think you will find it entertaining and also helpful, not just if you're single, but also if you're in a relationship, because this book is not an anti-relationship book. It's a pro-relationship with yourself. Connect to yourself first. Check out Single on Purpose. It is time to give singlehood a cape because it's been vilified for so long. So this person I'm about to interview fell from the sky, and I really believe in collisions. I believe that uh, we're meant to meet people, and through that exchange, whether it's one day or many years, that two people um, are shifted internally uh, as well as externally. And Tez Brewer is someone that has um, really um, – she she came at my life when I actually I needed her, but also um, – where I've, her coming into my life has made me feel uh, more more professional, and and also uh, she's helped me with with so many things. Tez, welcome. Hi. Thank How you are you? Introduction. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. So if, for those who don't know, uh, Tez is on paper. She's my assistant, um, but I feel like you're so much more than that. I don't even know what to call myself. Yeah. Um. <laughs> You know, I've never had an assistant before. You're my first one. First, let's talk about how we met because I just posted something. Was it on social media? How did you, how did you find me? And then also, how did you find that um, advertisement of uh, me needing an assistant? So I came across your work about two years ago. I was going through uh, a breakup with a really toxic person. Well, it was a toxic relationship. Um, very narcissistic. Mm-hmm. And my cousin sent over your podcast with Dax Shepard. Oh, right, and right. He said, you have to check this guy out. He's He'll probably help you get out of this funk, blah, blah, blah. So I listened to it. And then I started following your podcast and then your Instagram and read your books. And then a couple months later, you posted on Instagram saying you were looking for an assistant. Mm-hmm. And I just sent my resume over and fingers crossed. I thought it'd be a great opportunity. and to work for you <laughs> after you, you, you know, long. You know what's great is I'm glad you didn't book a session because yeah, if, me too. if we did that, then I wouldn't have considered you for um the this assistant position because there would be a dual relationship. So if I if I if you became my client, then you wouldn't be my assistant. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. So yeah. how long how long were you following me when you, when you, uh, so you were only following me for like a few months and then you got the, uh, responded to the post. Yeah. I think about three or four months. Oh, I cool. was, and every, I mean, I kid you not every morning I was listening to your podcast on the way to therapy. I mean, your introduction of your podcast episode just takes me back to driving on the one-on-one to my therapy sessions in tears because <laughs> I was in such a weird place yeah. in my life. I didn't know who I was and I was just kind of trying to work through figuring out who I am while also grieving a relationship. It was just a tough time, but yeah, it helped me get out of that. So I'm very fortunate. Mm. Well, um, you also have an amazing story. So thank you. Besides, um, um, you know, working, uh, doing all the stuff you're doing with me, uh, personally, 
so we have we have some overlap in that. Uh, so Tez is also a writer. She's a screenwriter, and I used to be a screenwriter. So we have that. Um, but also, uh, it, it, your story is amazing in that um, your upbringing, the stuff that you went through, uh, also um, you know some toxic relationships. Uh, yeah. I caught you at a time in your life where I feel like your character is arcing. Yes. Right. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I feel like for the first time, I mean, I've been in therapy for two and a half years, once a week now. And for the first time I could finally feel and see my growth and actually feel like I have a good ground and idea of who I am. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the past growing up, I was constantly looking at others and in my relationships to define who I was. Right. Right. And I also brought you on because of your age, you know, um, you're, de- you're definitely millennial or are you, are you earlier than that? Uh, I'm a millennial. I'm 26. Like yeah. 94. That's like the cutoff, I think. Yeah. And, and I think for women, this is around, and it's a generalization, but it's around when they start turning the corner, when they start looking inward, when they want to uh, work on themselves. Uh, for men, I think it's a little bit later. Um, Again, a generalization, but usually um, around thirty-ish men kind of kind of come there. So, uh, I think you're very relatable to to many people um, who, uh, whether they listen to my podcast or buy my books, uh, at that point in their life where they are now wanting something different. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I see it. In my friends too. Yeah. So let me ask you this: um, How do you know? Uh, of course, after two years of therapy and, and reading books and being on this path of, of self-betterment, how do, how do you know that this is working, that there is change, there is growth, right? How do you know that it's not just information in your head? Uh, because I can see it in um, the way I talk to myself. I think that's the biggest one. I'm not as mean to myself as I used to be. Mm-hmm. I definitely, you know, grew up hating myself because I my upbringing was not very nice. I think just, I'm actually going through childhood stuff right now with my therapist. Uh, I was in a very verbally and emotionally abusive environment. Apparently physical abuse involves throwing things and breaking down doors and hitting walls. I've never been hit, but my dad was very explosive like that. And my therapist just told me that is physical abuse, I guess or a category of it. Yeah. So my eyes are being opened my childhood for the first time. And my dad was not the nicest person to me growing up. I was Mm -hmm. always never good enough. And I just, you know, grew up with that voice in my head that I am, you know, not good enough. I'm worthless. And the only way I can be accepted and loved is if other people accept and love me. So I would go above and beyond to make people love me, even if I didn't like them back, you know. Okay, I wait, wait, pause there because this is so important. This is <laughs> what I'm talking about when I mean relatability. Um, it's not just you. So many people that I've, 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 I've uh, you know, uh, helped and coached, um, everyone from teenagers to uh, uh, in, in their 20s and 30s, uh, being positioned because of your upbringing and the chaos uh, that you experienced um, to want to find – someone else to uh feel feel holes or or like you're not good enough so um if you go above and beyond or if you you know um give so much that you end up giving a lot of you uh Mm -hmm. then you'll feel better about yourself so that positions you for lopsided relationships right oh definitely and that was 
pretty much every single relationship I have ever been in. It was very one-sided, unhealthy, um, emotionally abusive with all of them, except for my most recent one. And I think that's kind of where the growth comes in is, you know, I just realized for the first time, actually very recently, my growth. And I've noticed that I'm not as mean to myself as as I used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot more self-compassion and self-forgiveness. Whereas I felt like I was at fault for everything my entire life. If any relationship went wrong or if I was abused or cheated on, it was automatically my fault. Yeah. Um, But I was also with people who would constantly blame me and tell me it's my fault. And in my most recent relationship that ended, you know, if I didn't do as much work as I did, I would have gone down the self-blaming path. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still, I had moments where I did kind of blame myself, but at the end of it, I was kind of like, you know what? Like, this is his loss. His decision to end the relationship is his loss. And I did the best I could in the relationship and I loved him as best as I could. And I felt really healthy in that relationship for the first time. I didn't Mm -hmm. have those toxic patterns I had in past relationships. And I could see and feel for the first time that I wasn't this insecure, small little girl anymore who was looking for other people to define who I was instead Mm -hmm. of doing that in my most recent relationship, I was kind of like, no, I am who I am and you are who you are and we're going to do life together. And if that's not where you're at, then I can find somebody else that fits that. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly how you know that you have grown because uh, if this was you going through this, you know, maybe a few years ago, it would have devastated you, correct? Like you wouldn't be at this place where you have a sense of peace and, and feel like you've got some worth, you know? Oh, definitely not. I, I think, uh, it took me about two months to, so I guess what took me, um, in my toxic relationship that sent me to therapy, it took me seven months to get to that place, to Mm. to get to where I am now. And I'm about, uh, three months out of my last relationship, but I got to that realization about two months after. Mm -hmm. So the toxic relationship, I was hopeless, crying every day, couldn't even eat for seven months. Yeah. Well, I was going to, I was going to ask you, like, how did you cope with expired relationships when you, you know, didn't like yourself and, 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 and had a, uh, didn't have a sense of, uh, worth. How did you cope with that? Oh my God. I, I didn't even feel human. I cried all the time. Mm -hmm. I would emotionally dump on people, anyone who would listen. I would just Right. Like beg for them to tell me it wasn't my fault. And I just felt worthless. I felt like garbage. I was suicidal at one point. I had mm. those thoughts and I would could not eat. I lost a lot of weight at one point. I did look very sickly ill. And to the point where my gynecologist, you know, she told me she was very worried about me. Mm. And I think that was the wake up call I needed was I just, when I looked in the mirror, I did not look healthy. I did not look or feel like myself. I didn't know who I was. I just kind of looked in the mirror and, you know, it was really sad. And I guess, um, I just hated myself after breakups and until I found the next one who would love me. And I was like, Oh, I'm loved again. I feel loved. So I wouldn't fully heal from all those relationships, I would just kind of be miserable until I found the next person. Right. Right. 
Um, and by the way, thank you for being so vulnerable and transparent. Um, welcome. I love yeah. <laughs> Another yeah. thing that oops, I've grown, I guess. <laughs> and this is how I know that you are the right um, assistant for me is you're not just, uh, you know, um, doing things that, re that require work, but just like who you are, how you show up, um, showing yourself. You know what I'm saying? It lines, it lines up with everything that I'm trying to do as well. So I feel like you've, you fit um, right into uh, the angry therapist. Yeah, absolutely. Thank yeah. you so much. And I love working for you. It's just the best job ever. And I can mm. still write. And I just, I wished for that before meeting you and I got mm. it. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about um, the new Tez and that, um, what are some of your life or love lessons at 26 now coming, you know, um, out of working, coming out of this, this recent relationship, but also, um, you know, two years of therapy and, and a lot of revelations. The new test does not allow anybody to walk all over her anymore. Mm -hmm. um, she sets boundaries and she's going to be firm about them. She's not going to be like, well, this is how I feel and this is what I want, but it's fine if you feel otherwise, which I kind of, right. I guess they're porous boundaries. Is that what they're called? Porous? No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> You're asking. Has it, or I took his boundaries class and it was something like that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of like, you know, you set the boundary, but it's not really set. It's almost like, oh, this is how I feel. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. So, so I, um, you know, I have my whole language. They call it, they, my uh, Vanessa calls it John Kim, uh, John, John Kimism. She's got to decipher what I'm trying to say. So for me, it's like drawing boundaries with char chalk instead of Sharpie. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, and even in my last relationship, my most recent one, you know, yes, I was, very verbal about, about what I liked and what I didn't like in the relationship. But I feel like I was also silent a lot about mm -hmm. things that made me very uncomfortable because I did have those old wounds in my past relationships show up as, Oh, if you speak up, you're going to get abused or left or cheated on. And I still had those fears in the new one. And thankfully I, you know, I told him these things, but at the same time, I still kind of with, it, it was little things that bothered me. Um, I kind of kept my mouth shut and it's just kind of like, oh, it's no big deal. Shrug it off, shrug it off. And eventually, you know, the things I shrugged off were the reasonings why the relationship eventually ended. And I do kind of wish I spoke up more and set those boundaries a lot firmer and harder. Um, but you know, now moving forward, instead of beating myself up over it, moving forward, I'm just be like, well, the next relationship, I'm gonna be a lot more firm about my boundaries and I'm not going to allow people to take advantage of me. If something feels wrong, I'm going to speak up. And if they leave, then that's on them. It's not on me. What if he's really hot? Oh, I've been down the hot <laughs> path. <laughs> Just because they're hot doesn't mean they're good for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think especially, you know, um, I know when I was in my 20s, it was all about how I, how I felt. It was a dopamine. And um I didn't think about healthy. I didn't think about like what it looks like to build a relationship. Like there was no such thing as boundaries. Basically find someone who is quote unquote um, hot or the chemistry is um, off the charts and then just dive in. It's like straight into the deep end. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, my, it, does, it feels good though. Like, let's, oh, it feels yeah. Great. Oh my right. God. My, this relationship that sent me to therapy I mean, that was like, oh, that was love at first sight. I mean, mm. both the chemistry we had was crazy. And he was, he was hot. I mean, 
I don't know what he looks like now, but back then he was hot. He was mm-hmm. in a band, you know, yeah. all the wanted him. And I was yeah. like, Oh my God, he's choosing me. Right. Right. All these women I'm special, blah, blah, blah. And he would tell me how special I was all the time. And he just fed my ego until the mask came off. And all of a sudden he was this person I didn't even know and started, you know, emotionally abusing me and same with his family. And you're just kind of like, Oh my God, what, uh, what just happened? And mm-hmm. still kind of hoping that the hot Prince charming is going to come back, but you know, that's kind of who he really is. And I think before that was just a mask. So I don't know. I'm a little skeptical about very attractive people now. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, it's not so much very attractive people. I think what happens is um, when you grow up in a chaotic uh, family or there's chaos in your life or something traumatic, abusive, that kind of stuff, um, you subconsciously uh, swim toward what smells familiar. You know what I'm saying? So um, someone who actually is healthy may actually feel boring. So, oh, yeah. you know, so yeah. we, we, um, we, we define hot sometimes as chaos, as dysfunction. We just don't know that that's what it is, uh, because mm-hmm. some, someone may come in a very attractive, physically attractive package. Uh, but usually what's happening underneath is, uh, a lot of, a lot of what we're used to gravitating toward, which, uh, is unhealthy or chaotic. I call it, you know, Telemundo, people throwing chairs and shit. And that roller coaster ride um, is exciting. And when when it's not there, and I think this is what's hard for a lot of people who are going from unhealthy, toxic relationships to finally um, uh, choosing a, a healthy love. What's really hard is it may feel boring. It may feel very flat. Yeah, no, that's true. And you know, I think that's actually why my most recent relationship ended. Is I have done a lot of work to heal from those toxic relationships you know, where the highs are the highs and the lows are the lows. And you think that's normal and you think that's love, but it's not, it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, abuse is not love. And I was under the impression that abuse was love. And I took a year and a half off from dating to kind of heal those wounds and figure out what love really is. And then my most recent ex you know, he didn't take the time to do that. And he was in um, a couple of abusive relationships before me. So my health was very triggering for him. And in what way? In, in a way that, you know, it's almost like he didn't know what to do with me. It was kind of like, I wasn't chaotic enough for him. Mm -hmm. And he would kind of unconsciously do things that he knows would piss me off as if to get a reaction out of me. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. He was kind of poking because he wanted some excitement and I don't think he really knew he was doing it, but I noticed, you know, Hey, I've told you this bugs me, you know, five times in the last month and you're still doing it. But he would kind of, you know, he would worship the ground I walked on when I was mad. Oh, interesting. And then when you weren't mad, he was repelled. (laughs) And and when I wasn't mad and giving him drama and chaos and um, uncertainty or this hot and cold behavior, he um, was very selfish and it felt very one-sided. And it's almost like as if I didn't exist. It it felt a little weird. I I did, towards the end of that relationship, start to feel really lonely. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, I don't like to fight in unhealthy ways anymore. I like to have conversations. And unfortunately, you know, it, I just don't think it, it just didn't, he, we just didn't click in that sense. It, it was almost like I was way too healthy for him. And my health was really kind of showing him his unhealthy side that he hasn't worked on. Right. And that's essentially why and how it ended. And he, you know, it's sad because I loved him and I really do wish the best for him. And we were like, we did have a good thing. We had a great connection, but you know, if he's not willing to work on his self and look at his demons and face them head on, like I did, then it'll just be a very codependent one-sided relationship and it'll end up like all the relationships have been in in the past. And I just Mm -hmm. can't do that anymore. Yeah. So speaking of the new uh, test, what is new for you as you now embark on a, a journey of singlehood and, and and rebuilding? And I know you're also focusing on writing and career. Yeah. So 2021 is definitely a me year. I'm, mm, I love that. Yeah. I, I'm so excited. I am just doing whatever I want, what feels good to me. Uh, very writing focused and career based. I'm focusing big time on screenwriting this year and um, hopefully getting that going and new projects and whatnot. But I'm just, you know, taking care of myself every day, practicing self-compassion, journaling. I've been meditating a lot and I Mm -hmm. really like that. And um, reading books, just kind of, you know, putting myself first for the first time. Yeah ever really because you know I think I tried to in the past but I always kind of had excuses for it and I've definitely been cutting out you know unhealthy friendships Mm. oh man that feels great I am a big people pleaser so that's been really hard but it feels really good and that's pretty much it I'm just kind of going to take it day by day live in the present not focus too much on the future or the past and let me ask you this if you find someone tomorrow right um what's going to be your mindset are you like how are you going to approach it that's different than you know uh uh, the old test so if you found someone tomorrow you guys met wherever wherever you guys met uh and um he blows your socks off there's Mm -hmm. or or maybe not maybe he doesn't blow your socks off but, but but there's chemistry enough to uh, be curious and, and start dating, what would be your mindset or your way in now? Um, you know, I am in this weird, I'm in this weird headspace where I would be open to it to have a couple dates, but there would be no physical touch mm. because I don't think I'm ready for physical touch yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I might be a little emotionally unavailable right now because it's been three months since my last relationship. And I'm in this weird place where it's kind of like, I don't want my ex back, but at the same time, I don't want to be touched by someone new. Mm. I'm kind of in that uncomfortable gray zone. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that's really interesting because I love that you're aware of that, but more importantly, you know what, this is where I'm at. And so, um, if I meet someone, there there isn't going to be a physical element to it right now. Yeah. Know? And I think that's because, you know, at a very young age, I was taught that in order to keep a man, you need to have sex a lot. Mm. So I used at 
you know, I use sex to get guys where I thought it would make them like me more. So I would sleep with people I should not have slept with very easily and not because I wanted to, but because I thought they would like me more. And now a big thing about new Tess is she's not just going to sleep with anybody and it's going to take a long, a lot of time for somebody to sleep with her. I think, I think they need to kind of earn that. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting is now we're talking about your relationship with intimacy, your relationship with your body, um, what sex is going to look and feel like. I mean, if most of your life you uh, participated in sex because it was a way of, uh, you know, keeping someone or you were, you know, giving something to someone or doing something for them, um, now it's going to be different, right? It's going to be more empowering. And so that, that may be weird. That may be all new. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And I feel like once I do meet the person I'm super sexually attracted to, that'll knock my socks off. It's going to be so hard not to sleep with them. (laughs) Uh, so that's going to be a test on my boundaries with myself, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've had clients where, uh, they're in their thirties and they, um, haven't really orgasmed with, uh, people they have been with because it was all about pleasing the other person, mm-hmm. you know, story of my life. I would even fake orgasms to make them feel better about themselves. Yeah. And yes. it's just so sad to think about that, but, um, yeah, it's crazy. The things we do to make other people happy. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I know many can relate to what you're saying. I think especially women, because um, in, that's just the way society is, and you know everything from pornography to uh, just you know, locker rooms. Um, it's a lot of it's just conditioning. A lot of it is the uh, you know the the uh, the programming from society. Yeah, no, it's definitely, I still struggle trying to not have society standards and expectations kind of hinder my growth and my thought process. Cause you know, I'm 26 and a lot of people I went to high school with and friends are getting engaged or having babies or, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, I kind of feel a little, sometimes I do feel like I'm behind, like I need to meet somebody right now and get married soon. But then the other part of me is like, oh my God. No, like, fuck no. that. No way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty happy waiting until like my 30s to do all of that. I'm 20 years older than you and just now, you know, having a, a child. And I can't imagine uh, having having done this anytime sooner. I, I just wouldn't have been good at it. I wouldn't have been there. I, it would have been very difficult. Definitely. And I feel the same way if I you know, had the person and was married and had a kid right now, I don't think I would be a very great mom. Yeah. Because I can't really, I'm still trying to take care of myself. And um, I would probably have postpartum depression. And, you know, I I would want to bring in a baby when I feel like I'm ready for it. And I'm just not ready. So whenever that day happens, it happens. But fuck society and their definitions and standards because... For both men and women, it's just it's just awful. You know, yeah. people do what they want to do when they want to do it. And if having babies and getting married young is your way of going, fuck yeah, do it. But if it's not, then don't do it. Um, there's a lot of redefining these days, which I think is exciting, and that that that's um, everything we're talking about, and also you know smashing that ticking clock and. Um, there are people uh, like myself having kids later in life. There are, you know, um, yeah. 
uh, monogamy has been on trial. There's different, um, you know, uh, there's so much uh, as far as blueprints being ripped up and starting with your truth instead of what you think uh, society, parents, you know, advertising, whatever the external impacting you. Yeah, no, definitely. Especially when it comes from our parents. I think that's the hardest one to shake. I, you know, I grew up with, well, I identify as a feminist and, um, my dad is not so much of a feminist. I grew up hearing from him saying that, you know, no man will ever want to be with you because you're feminine. And I kind of held on to that belief for a really long time. And I, you know, have this core wound of, you know, you will be alone forever and you're not lovable. So, you know, there's no point in trying just, you know, accept being alone. And the other part of me is like, no, fuck that. I will meet a man who identifies as a feminist and will love me because Mm -hmm. of my beliefs and, you know, my independence. And I think that's kind of, I, I guess that's another redefining your beliefs and kind of giving society the middle finger and old conditioning and, you know, parents' standards and beliefs that are onto us. And I'm just so sick of kind of listening to other people tell me what to do. I want to do things for myself for the first time. So I think yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> and well, you know, you know, I talk a lot about new experiences and the power of new experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's happening is you are now, uh, you have the courage, the strength. I'm not saying it's easy, but you have, um, the courage, strength, and wisdom to give yourself a new experience. So it's everything we're talking about from wanting to draw boundaries to redefining what sex and intimacy looks like. Um, Not just, you know, sleeping with someone because you know that that that's what they want or that's a, you have a better chance of of being with them. Uh, Mm -hmm. But kind of uh, doing everything now on your own terms will give you a new love experience. And that new experience will then start to dissolve this false belief that you're not good enough or that, you know, no guy will, will want to be with you because you're a feminist or, you know, all the other stuff that is in your head from whether it's from your dad or from society. And then when you um, start to dissolve those false beliefs, uh, I think that's where it gets exciting, right? When we start to dissolve our limited and false beliefs, um, we become we become a new person. Our, our lenses change. And so what you used to be attracted to will start to then really repel you, you know, your, your radar will, will be very sharp. Um, and I think that's where we start to get a lot of momentum when it comes to growth in, in all areas of our lives. Oh, definitely. And I'm starting to see kind of the rewiring for the first time. Mm-hmm. Experience um, it. Definitely. And just, I mean, <laughs> my, the type the guys I used to go for, I guess like two years ago or more longer than that. Oh, I would never, ever, ever, ever give them the time of day now. It's so crazy. I used yeah. to be into the mysterious, you know, musician, the Johnny Depp type. And now mm-hmm. I'm very into funny and goofy and, you know, just kind of they're able to laugh at themselves and they don't right. take them too seriously. And, yeah. Um, just somebody somebody who's in touch with their feelings too. I think there's nothing more attractive than a man who is in touch with himself and Mm -hmm. his feelings and his emotions isn't afraid to cry or to, you know, say, I need to see a therapist and actually sees a therapist. I think there's something so 
attractive about a man who embraces vulnerability. Right, of course. Yeah, and you know that's the other thing that's happening because um, I'm also passionate about men's work. Um, mm-hmm. Men are redefining themselves, and so you you are you are single at a good time. <laughs> I hope so, because <laughs> yeah. I feel like a lot of my the men in my age group hasn't they haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> They're still kind of you know fucking everybody around, but um, you know, I think hopefully in their thirties, they'll get the wake up call they need, or they'll get it earlier and they'll start doing the work because, you know, we need, we need those, we need more emotionally available and healthy men on this planet. Yeah. We need to break the standards and the definitions and the stereotypes. Absolutely. Well, Tez, um, first of all, thank you for all the hard work that you do. And uh, guys, if you're listening and you are in the lab or you are a subscriber to uh, any of my, my products, texting or whatever, um, Tez works in the trenches. So you are probably communicating with her. And so I just want to remind you, there is a real person um, with a real story going through her uh, rebirth behind that email. So uh, please be kind. And um, yeah. And so, and so Tez, thank you for that. And then, and then also um, it's really been an, fun and also been an honor uh uh to follow your story you know and to like um follow your journey both career wise but also uh, on a personal level and um i'm proud of where where you how far you've come and where you're going thank you so much you just made my entire day and i (laughs) absolutely love working for you and i would have i mean i don't know if you told me I was going to, like three years ago or two years ago, you told me I was going to be working for you and we'd be where we are now. I, there's no way I would have believed it. Mm. I'm very happy to be on the journey with you and watch you and your brand grow as well. Yeah. Thank you for being a part of it. Of course. Thank you for having me. Where can we find you or do you want people to find you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I do have a blog. It nice. is called Meow Must Stay Here. So kind of a play mm-hmm. on words like namaste, except right. I'm a huge cat person. So it's Meow Must Stay. Uh, I have an Instagram. It's called Meow Must Stay Here. And uh, my blog website is meowmuststayhere.com. I've taken a little bit of a hiatus on it because uh, I'm dealing with my expired relationship and my personal stuff, but I will be back writing on it soon. But you can see all my old works and writings on myamastayhere.com. Awesome. All right, Taz. Thank you for um, this interview and be well. Thank you. You mm-hmm. too. Bye. Listen, if you are great at helping other people and you have a passion for that and you want to find personal freedom and level up the skills you already have, it's time to become a life coach. Journey coaching. When I became a coach, there was nothing like this out there. And so I developed this coaching training program alongside Noel Cordo, Journey Coaching. That's J-R-N-I. And it is amazing. It's 100% live. It's everything that I wish I had when I was starting out. Meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, lifetime support and business development, ICF certified. Just go to theangrytherapist.com, my website, and click on Become a Coach and explore the Journey Coaching Intensive. See you in class.